time to set foot inside the morgue with your hosts, Lee, Carl, and Rob. It's that time. Christmas time is here. Everybody knows there's not a better time of year. Here's that sleigh. Santa's on his way. Welcome to the Manchester Movie Morgue Christmas Drunk Cast Spectacular. And this time we are reviewing National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, starring Chevy Chase. So, but first of all, before we get into that, we're going to discuss what we've been watching during the week. Rob, will you start us off? What, what have you been watching? Yeah, I've um, this week I've OD'd on Christmas, um, on purpose actually. So, uh, obviously we did, I did Christmas Vacation for the first time in a while for this part. I did The Bishop's Wife with David Niven and Cary Grant. So you did The Bishop's Wife? <laughs> We're talking about films here, Rob. Come on. <laughs> the Dirty Bishop's Wife. But, um, yeah, it's a strange one, that, because like uh, I watched it, and it's about an angel, Cary Grant, who's um, trying to fix this marriage of this bishop who's trying to save a cathedral. But all the way through, he's like, he's practically trying to pull the wife. Like, it really charms her. And I thought it was going to go the, the other way. I thought he was going to completely seduce her and then like murder the bishop. But he doesn't do that, of course. It ends up quite smiley. Did he, uh, did he get his wings at any point? <laughs> there's, there's no wings. But I did, I did watch him. Um, I also watched uh, The Lemon Drop Kid, which is my, probably my, one of my favourite Christmas films with uh, Bob Hope. The only problem is um, you have to really stomach a lot of Bob Hope in that film. There's a lot of gurning at the camera, hmm. and there's a lot of um, there's a lot of like, looking at and a lot of winks and nods. And also, all the women find him irresistible in the film, even though he's got like a really big head and a massive chin. But but that's just Bob Hope. <laughs> so what else did I watch? The other Christmas film I saw, Christmas Chronicles Two, with um, Kurt Russell, right, which is like. It's the most saccharine, small it is, yeah. I tried it's, to watch it this yeah. week and it was just so sugary. <laughs> I just had to turn it off. I wasn't it in the mood. You are literally shitting tinsel at the end. You yeah, it's, how, it's diabetes, diabetes inducing, I think. Guys, how, um, how sugary saccharine is it compared to oh, Christmas Chronicles 1? It's more so. There's a scene where he just totally seduces a whole airport. Actually, he puts the whole airport... He goes back in time and he takes the whole airport over with like mind control. It's almost like an exorcism, or like the scene from Beetlejuice when, uh, you know, when uh, when Beetlejuice takes over the dinner party. He does this. He does this with um with a whole airport of staff and security guards and everyone. They're all dancing on stage and singing. Um, it's totally you know dangerous. It's probably like terrorist entering the country or something. But it's also improved the Christmas spirit. So, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I mean. It, it, Unless you're a complete hardened cynic, at the end of the film, you are, you know, you feel quite, you know, a little bit fuzzy inside, or a bit. <laughs> well, I did. Is that just the beer? Is that just the beer you've been consuming tonight, Rob? <laughs> I feel funny. I did I watch anything else? No, I also saw oh, earlier this evening. I saw um, the new Netflix movie with Isla Fisher in, which is called Godmothered, uh, where it's a trainee a fairy godmother comes to. Brooklyn, no, Boston, to save Isla Fisher and uh, make to, uh, meet her Prince Charming and stuff. It's actually, 
it's okay. It's it's okay. It's not terrible, but it's okay. Did Sasha Bowen Cohen make an appearance at any point? No, but I spent most of the film thinking he's a lucky man. Yeah, she's, he she's, is a very lucky man, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any displays in this film? You know, of flesh or no? No, no okay. it's, it's it's quite fleshless. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 it smolts it. I mean, the message of the film actually isn't a bad one because rather than a the big overall message is that your Prince Charming is it's about happily, happily ever after. It's not about finding someone. It's about being happy in yourself, which is actually not a terrible message. That is the worst message. We need, we need, <laughs> yeah. we need different messages coming from our films. Yeah you've, yeah, you've got to live your best life, Rob. You've got to beat everybody in Instagram. It's not about kind of, yeah, it's about how, how good your life looks. <laughs> and then you can start to brainwash them, can't you? It's all about subscribers. That's that is the, that's it. But um, but yeah, that's where I'm up to. And basically, um, I'm trying to force the Christmas spirit down my throat. So uh, yeah, I'm, I've still not watched It's a Wonderful Life this year, and I've not watched Planes, Trades and Automobiles yet. Again for the 14th time. So that's what I'm up to. You are that movie's biggest fan, so I will look forward to uh, to reviewing mm. that with you. Carl, what did you, what did you watch this week? I've not really been watching the typical Christmas fair yet. I'm sure I will. I've gone to a couple of my recent Blu-ray purchases from um, both from 88 films in the UK who are putting out some good films at the moment. The first one's called um, New Year's Evil, which is kind of seasonal, I suppose. And it's um, a slasher film from 1980 about this killer who's trying to kill people on the stroke of midnight in different time zones in the US. A couple of neat and new kind of and different angles on it make it quite interesting and it's got a decent new wave punk soundtrack. So is this a killer who's looking to sort of boost his uh, his air miles? Um, what, what's he trying to do? I, he's, I don't want to ruin it for anyone, especially if you've not seen it. it. It kind of transpires who this character is later on in the film. Um, but you, you, you kind of... The, the killer's not hidden under a mask or anything yeah. like that. You kind of know who mm. the killer is early on, but later on their actual identity is something of a surprise. And the ending is quite good as well because it, it, where one kind of one killer finishes, another one kind of is about to take over, take on the mantle as it were. So it, it's a bit kind of Friday the 13th part one esque in that in that regard but yeah no it's a, it was a good, good fun film yeah any big names in that one or no not really the, the lead the lead actress is called Roz Kelly and, and apparently she had a role on Happy Days as f- uh, the Fonzie's girlfriend for uh, some episodes of, 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 of a particular series he had um, so many he, had so many, he, he did, he did, and he, he had that shark that he jumped a bit later on. <laughs> my, fa- my favorite, my favorite girlfriend. He had um, he had Susie Quattro for a little bit, didn't he? That's right, That's he a, did. Yes, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that, I mean, uh, to be honest, I, I've not seen her in Happy Days. Uh, uh, that was something I read about her. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's um, it's not a bad film. And the other one I saw was um, a Jackie Chan film called New Fist of Fury, which is Jackie Chan's first starring role. But it's kind of like um, um, what you call a Bruce Bloitation film as well, where it's kind of like it's a sequel to Bruce Lee's Fist of Fury. They try, they kind of introduce Jackie Chan as try and make him to be kind of the new Bruce Lee. And of course, we know uh, with the fullness of time that Jackie Chan's kind of like a more he's more comedic martial arts actor who kind of gets he's more in common with like Buster Keaton and and Three yeah. Studios probably than uh, than Bruce Lee. 
Um, so it's it's an interesting film in some regards. It's maybe a bit over long, but yeah, that was um, those are two films I watched this week. Both new, new films, Ooh. new New Year's Evil and new New Fist of Fury. Lee, what have you been uh, watching this week? Oh, yeah, only one film this week. It was a Kevin Costner film, uh, who's starring alongside Diane Lane. It's a modern, well, modernish western uh, set in the nineteen sixties. Uh, Costner plays a retired uh, sheriff, and him and his wife live together with their son and his wife, who've just had a newborn baby. Uh, the son falls off a horse, he, he's killed, uh, and then the movie cuts to three years later. Uh, the son, son's widow's moved on, uh, married a new guy called Donnie Weeboy. Now, I couldn't help laugh at his name every time it came up, Wee because boy. obviously in Scotland, in the UK, well, in Scotland, wee boy is a little, little boy, you know, so it's uh, it's yeah. a little bit of a derogatory term, really. Oh, not um, well endowed. Not well endowed, maybe, yeah, a little bit of a, he's got a wee willy. Um, <laughs> he turns out to be a bit of a wrongan, though, and he's a bit of an abusive husband. He's witnessed by the grandmother hitting his uh, wife and hitting the, the grandson as well. And that very same night, they make off and and and, and basically leave town and go to uh, to Donnie's hometown in North Dakota. And that's all they really know is he's from North Dakota. Uh, and then they end up uh, the, the whole the rest of the movie is is tracking them down. And uh, the it's, it's slow for the first forty minutes, but it really gets going at the end. And there's some good revenge violence in the last third of the film. I think you probably quite like it, Carl. I know you like your westerns. You can't go wrong with a bit of Kevin Costner. Yeah, Kevin Costner. You, you cannot go wrong. I mean, hmm. if you if you remember his kind of winning streak from the um, the early nineties, where he made Robin Hood and JFK, and hmm. um, and I'd argue even as far as kind of Waterworld. Don't mention Waterworld. That's got to be a future episode, I think. Of the yeah, uh, I quite the, like Waterworld. Yeah. Oh, it was expensive, but yeah, it wasn't yeah. bad. Kevin Costner is good. He's very good. Um, but I, yeah, and it's a brand new movie. Uh, I mean, yes. there's not been many, many good movies out this year. It's been obviously a bad, for obvious reasons. A lot of uh, studios have been holding back the movies this year. But yeah, it's, it's just come out. So check it out. It's called uh, it's called Let Him Go. What's your thoughts on Feel the Dreams? Are you a fan of that one? Feel, oh, the, feel dreams? the Dreams. Yeah, a classic. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant yeah, film. Yes. Sentimental. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. Do you live your life like that? If you build it, they will come. <laughs> it worked in Wayne's world. Come on, bring it on. <laughs> so, so Lee, are you gonna are you gonna summarize this baby for us? Yeah, I'm gonna go fairly brief for the synopsis of this one because it's not the most complex plot. So um, it's quite a well known film as well, isn't it? It's, I mean, this is very well known. Probably yeah. seen it and you're listening to it. There's not too many spoilers there. So as the uh, holidays approach, Clark Griswold, played by Chevy Chase, of course, wants to have a perfect family Christmas. So he pesters his wife, Ellen, played by Beverly D'Angelo. And his, his children have regenerated, of course. It's not the same children from, from the previous yeah. film. In fact, they're much, I think, Cal, you were saying, they're much younger than the, the, uh, the previous yeah. films, aren't they? They basically swap their ages because in the first two films, Rusty, the boy, is, is older than yeah. Audrey. Yeah. And in this film, they've kind of switched ages. So uh, Audrey's older now and uh, Rusty has become the younger. Yeah, yeah. For reasons which are not really clear. So the basic premise of the movie is trying to make sure everything is perfect. The tree, the house decorations, all got to be perfect. However, obviously things go astray very quickly. Uh, And the film for me really gets going when the hillbilly cousin, uh, Eddie, 
uh, played by the slightly crazy Randy Quaid and his family <laughs> show up, and we'll go into that in detail, I'm sure. Yeah. And his family show up unplanned and start living in their camper van uh, on the Griswold property. Uh, and even worse, Clark's employers renege on their holiday bonus that he needs to build his uh, pool in the yeah. back garden of the project. So it's just kind of Christmas gone astray. He wants the perfect Christmas, and there's lots of slapstick comedy. And, of, co- of course, we'll go into it uh, in detail, I'm sure. Or we'll try to uh, after having a few beers tonight. Yeah. So I know, Rob, you, you're you a big John Hughes fan, but this isn't one of your favourite movies. What did you make of it? It's a strange one because um, it's it's it was on VHS for me for years and when I watched it countless I've actually got a hard drive which I use for work and I've got Christmas Vacation on there so it's not as though I'm anti this film it's just that I watched it for the first time this week I watched it last night actually with with my head screwed on for this pot although it's Mm. not screwed on it's not screwed on tonight and uh, (laughs) the idea idea was so I was seeing the film differently for the first time and just like some reviews of it there's some gags which just don't land and maybe it is an age thing maybe because you know it's it's all slapstick there's not much uh, some of the best dialogue is given to Randy Quaid and it's kind of like dismissed really but he comes out with some of the funniest lines in the film it's not a laugh out loud you're not going to roll around you will smile you will feel quite warm and inside, but I think also I saw it differently because I'm a, I'm a dad myself, and and, it, and it's he's innately selfish throughout the film. <laughs> he's, he's he's completely jeopardised the family's like well being on this stupid swimming pool. So he's also it was, really, it was really funny that you you kind of latched onto this and you thought, yeah, yeah I, I relate to this. Obsessiveness about the. Mm-hmm. the it's yeah. just, it kind of, kind of um, doesn't draw me in t- towards him. It kind of pulls yeah. me away. The movie begins with uh, a rather over-caffeinated uh, Clark in the car singing along, and I know, I know you well, obviously, Rob. We've known each other for a long time, and you're known for singing, particularly <laughs> in the morning, being very, very enthusiastic. So I can see a little bit of Clark in you. I can see I, that yeah. that scene playing out. I am very manic. I, I currently have um, a thing going with my son at the moment, actually, where I sing the opening line, it's beginning to look a lot like, and I pause and wait for him to say Christmas. <laughs> and it's, I've, I've, trained, I've trained my own boy to do that. So, <laughs> so I don't know, a bit, like, a bit like Clark Griswold. I don't know whether I'm passing on that mania. Um, the, hu- the whole human tragedy starts yeah. to perpetuate itself once again. It does, yeah. It's like it's yeah, it's, it's an infinity of madness in the world. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, Clark, he is. I read that John Hughes even said that like he was getting a little bit tired himself, and he said that the film is a vehicle for Chevy Chase. And the other films, um, European Vacation and the first one, are more like an ensemble piece. There's like they all have great bits in it. This one, Chevy does get the lion's share of the work, you know. Um, and he gets given a lot of time in the film. Whereas I say, like, you know, one of the strongest characters in it is Cousin Eddie. When Cousin Eddie rocks up, it, the film really kicks into a second gear. And he's a lot of what he does and his, you know, actions and dialogue are great and very funny. But um, this, I, I read um, as well that there was a huge sequence cut out of the film, which was like Cousin Eddie and his wife living in the camper van. And apparently they used some of that footage in the terrible 
um, Christmas Vacation 2, which was like a TV movie, they churned out a couple of years later, or a few, a lot of years later with uh, with Randy Quaid in. But um, it's a shame. Um, four, 14 years later, to be precise. Um, 2003, straight to video, I think. There's so much to unpick from the sequel title because yeah. its entire yeah. its entire name is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation 2, Cousin yeah. Eddie's Island Adventure. What has, what has an island adventure got to do with fucking Christmas? <laughs> it's ridiculous. I, haven't, I must say I haven't seen it, but from, from I've what I've, seen what it, I've no, read, no. It, sounds, it sounds pretty awful, really. I mean, Payday for Randy I, Quaid, sure. Also, I think that all three of us were quite fair to films. We don't we don't look at IMDb and see one 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 out of ten and think, oh, I'm never going to give that a go. We we do give things a chance, but I, I read the premise for Christmas Vacation too, and I really don't. You know, it's going to take a lot for me to to try and try that one out. I've never actually seen Vegas Vacation either. Um, I'm I'm, so, I'm going to watch yeah. it tonight. I think I'm going to watch Christmas Vacation too tonight. Are you going to go for it? Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what, well, if, if you Lee, if you cover Christmas Vacation two, I'll take Vegas Vacation because uh, I've I've not seen that all the way through either. But from what I've heard, it's pretty it's it, it's not good, and it was a contractual obligation that um, Chevy Chase had to fulfil with with Warner Brothers. Oh, was um, it? Yeah. yeah. So it's is, it's is Chevy in Vegas Vacation? Isn't that? Yeah, that, he is, yeah, yeah that's about, it's about 1997. It, yeah. Funnily enough, it doesn't have the affiliation of National Lampoon, so it's just Vegas Vacation, but it is the fourth right. kind of official entry in the, in the series yeah. and did come before Christmas Vacation 2, confusingly titled. I mean, I give I, I go for quite a lot of the obscure. I tried to watch the Star Wars Holiday Special recently. And I, I just I, and it's on YouTube if anyone's interested. And I couldn't even make I couldn't even make five minutes through it. The moment you would get introduced to Chewbacca and his weird messed up puppet family, uh, I, I, had, I had to turn it up. So it's no wonder that Chewbacca flies around the fucking galaxy everywhere um, doing different things. <laughs> It's like he'd do any, he'd rather do anything apart from be at home with his fucking family. Yeah, I mean, going back to this, um, you know, I. Straight from the off, obviously because I'm a massive John Hughes fan, I recognise all the Hughes gags and nods to all his other films. He he doesn't change much as a director or a writer. He's got his um his little gag references and his slapstick and his visual humour and his his punchlines cut to another scene where the you know the joke's finished. Because I read that somebody said that I think it's Roger Ebert said on this film that all the gags don't hit, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that completely. Yeah, you know that's pretty harsh. I think uh, I think most people love Christmas Vacation because it reminds them of, you know, it's kind of like it's Clark's aspiring for the perfect Christmas, and but all those Christmas cheesy images are there, like all the family gathered around the table. And if you want all your family around the table, it's going to be chaotic. It's not going to be pleasant. It's going to be argumentative. It's going to be difficult. And that's true. Know, that's, all... that's one thing I think this film captures really well. It's just the I wouldn't say the misery. But the sometimes when you've got your all your family around at your pressure. house, or you're around someone else's house, yeah. the pressure, yeah. the yeah. getting on each other's nerves, and it's you know it's it's a real thing, and I think this film does capture that really really yeah. well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's there's two ways of viewing it. When you were a kid, when you were viewing this film, you were probably would have related to the sort of rusty character, wouldn't you? Really being a bit yeah. embarrassed by your dad, and and now as an adult, you know, you've put on several Christmases, you know how stressful it is, so yeah. you relate to the Chevy, you know, uh, to Clark character, don't you? I totally, I mean, I totally identify with this idea of the image, and you have to get past the idea, the idea of a perfect. Because I I tried hanging lights outside my house, and because I'm a coward, I couldn't go up to the top floor. 
So I, I <laughs> my house is like um, almost like a topless lady. It's, it's she's wearing a skirt, but I, I couldn't put a, I couldn't put a blouse on because I couldn't get up the ladder because I was too nervous of falling. All off. you need is a staple gun, simple ladder. And a tree behind you to catch you when you fall, Rob. You know, you'll be fine. <laughs> That's what Clark has, doesn't he? If you're going to take anything away from National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, that would be the lesson, I think. Yeah, Definitely. I mean, you've, you've crystallised it perfectly there. This, um, I mean, this, this, I, think, I think one of the criticisms, maybe, is that these characters introduced where they don't get taken further. But you can't see this film in a really detailed sense. It is a, it's a light fair. It's a perfect film to sit back with a mince pie and... And then you know, um, wrap your Christmas presents, and it's on in the background. You wouldn't turn this film off if it, if it came on. You'd sit and enjoy it. Certainly um, not. But you, you you do wonder why um, you know actors the caliber of um, E. G. Marshall and Diane Lane, who cast as you know the yeah. uh, grandparents of um, Clark and Clark um, Yeah, the, you know, why, I I did wonder if perhaps um, these these actors had some other scenes because they, they kind of they're brought in, they're billed in the um, in the credits, and they they don't really have much to do. It's just they they arrive, and they're kind of in the background, or they're sitting on chairs, or they maybe make a little, yeah. a little tiny comment at dinner. And no, uh, the um, the best materials given to the dotty the dotty aunt and uncle who turn up, Ellen's dotty aunt and uncle, who are quite well known actors as well. Like, yeah, I mean the dotty aunt. She's it, the uncle's wearing a wig and he's quite offensive and he smokes a stogie. Yeah, the old aunt as well, who basically wrapped the cat in a, in present, wrapped up jelly, and she also I think I read about her. She was the voice of Betty Boop, and because I read that before I watched the film, um, I couldn't get Betty Boop out of my head every time she spoke. <laughs> yeah, she that's true. Save... She's um, May May Questel, I think she was called, and. Um... Yeah. Even even in her kind of advanced years, as she is in 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 the film, she if you kind of don't look at her and listen, you know, it's very much uh, Betty Boot's voice, isn't it? Oh, it is. Is that? Oh, boop, 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 boop. But it is, that's, that doesn't sound like that, by the way. Just like it. Just like that. But um, yeah, it's she's, uh, here. she's in a room with us. I know it's just she's there, but um, also they, they stumbled. I mean, it's very early days. You've got Julia Louise Dreyfus who's playing a like a yuppie next door yeah. with her with her partner, and they're like really um, you know complete polar opposites to the Griswold family. Makes you wonder why these yuppies are living in this very suburban um, residential estate with families. Yeah, like, especially without children, surely they'd be living in in the heart of. In the heart of Chicago, yeah. wouldn't they? And uh, uh, she's not even the only Seinfeld cast member, is she? Because it's got uh, Costanza's dad in it, George Costanza, Frank, Frank Costanza. Oh, what, what, which bits are you? Who plays uh, Clark's dad? Oh, yeah, yeah you're right. I, I think he you was know, the yeah. original. Yeah, the original Frank. Oh, he was the original one before he replaced him yeah. with Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller's yeah. Yeah. Uh, dad. That's yeah. it. Yeah, it's um. I mean, it's it's weird those scenes, isn't it? Because like, um, straight from the off, we get we get introduced the tension between the neighbours because like Clark's got this massive tree in his, and and then the, the snobby neighbour shouts over Clark, "Where are you going to stick that tree?" And he says he says shouts back, "Bend over and I'll show you." And he goes, "You've got a lot of nerve, Griswold, speaking to me like that." And he says, "I wasn't speaking to you." So he says, "Speaking to, speaking to Julie Louise Dreyfus," <laughs> and that's and uh, um. Straight, but we didn't really build on it, did it? There's a few little slapstick yeah. moments, like it's like Clark hanging off the roof and an icicle defies gravity. As uh, Lee was mentioning earlier, actually, he said um, 
before we filmed this, started recording this, Lee said that the icicle, even though the drain pipe is hanging down, the icicle managed to fly. <laughs> it's rocket <laughs> propelled, isn't it? Yeah, it's absolutely <laughs> lethal. Yeah. It, it flies through the house next door. God damn it, I want realism in my Christmas movies, and this is not realistic. <laughs> And it's like, and it's also when the uh, yuppies are just about to have sex, aren't they? They're about to have like a very um, strange, like you know, like a, a sensual moment, and then this icicle smashes up the stereo next door. Um, but they don't go anywhere. It's, I, it may, I think there's a version of this film which is missing. Like it's got an extra yeah. like two hours in it. Anyone could have played those parts, couldn't they? It was kind of a, a wasted, really, wasn't it? Because she's yeah. quite a good uh, comedic actress, really, oh, isn't she? She's, she's excellent. Waste. Yeah, yeah I think it, it was a bit of a waste because they um, they, they kind of just um, heap these negative kind of uh, situations on on the yuppie couple, and there's no real kind mm. of justification for it. Although they, they they seem slightly, you know, yuppie-ish and maybe a little bit unpleasant. There's, it, it's almost kind of mean spirited. All the things that happen to them, we don't really get the context for it. I would have loved, I would have loved a cut scene at the end of the movie where they've been like arrested or something by mistake by that SWAT team or some kind of shenanigans has gone on at the end. Yeah, why didn't that? Happen? <laughs> yeah, it's it, 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 also it's weird because usually a director progresses with time as a writer as well. You get better over time, but like because if you think about, yeah, I mean, um, Hughes often has two characters who really love each other, but then there's like a conflict and then a kind of mutual respect. Um, which, like, if you think about Great Outdoors with Dan Aykroyd and uh, uh, who else is in that, John Candy, and then you think about Planes, Trades and Outdoors with Steve Martin and John Candy. In this one, you've got Clark and you've got his co- the cousin Eddie, and it's just basically one way, isn't it? It's like Clark just lays into Eddie over and over. He talks about it like he jo- between gritted teeth. He says, "Is it okay? I get you another drink, Eddie. Is it okay if I drive you out into the middle of the desert and shoot you and leave you for dead?" And uh, and it's like there's not one. Eddie's so oblivious, isn't he? He doesn't doesn't even come round to it, uh, which is kind of a disappointment. I think it'd be really nice actually if Eddie really just like stood up for himself once, just like really came back at Clark. Although Clark does get to be a hero, doesn't it? Because Clark agrees to buy Eddie's children uh, lots of presents for Christmas. <laughs> That's true, but I think this was kind of a slightly missed opportunity from uh, from the film because I, I think a, a few scenes where you kind of Hark back to oh, actually, we're what we're thinking about here is Christmas, and uh, the, the entire plot with the um, cousin Eddie and his family who've had to sell all their all their land, their home, and they're, they're living in the RV. I, I think that that probably had some more potential as a as a storyline to be kind of uh, yeah. you know yeah. used as Christmas film, and it's very very easily resolved with. Um, Cousin Eddie and Clark just edit, just visiting the, um, the supermarket, and Clark saying, "Oh well, I'll buy your kids your you know your Christmas present this year," and that's it. That's kind of the, 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 that storyline is done with. I thought I thought they could have maybe done a bit more with that. They have that little um, uh, interlude, don't they, all the way through? Which uh, Cal mentioned this before we started, where the it cuts to an advent calendar turning the days of, you know, counting down to Christmas. It emphasises the, the episodic nature of the film in some regards. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know if it was even necessary. If anything, it kind of takes you from one scene to another and, and, and they're, not, they're not connected. No. We have to be careful here because I think we are sounding quite critical of the film, but I no, think it, it kind of does 
hold quite a, a special place in all our hearts, really, with this movie. It is the kind of movie that you would see on TV. I mean, we've probably all watched it 14 times. It's yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of the movie, that, like you said, Rob, earlier, that it's, it's on in the background. You, you can leave, you can make yourself a mulled wine. You're not going to miss too much of the plot. Uh, but I think there is a, a nice little message in there. It's kind of hidden in there a little bit in the... Did you notice the bit in the uh, the attic where he's watching his old cine, cine films from the 50s yeah, yeah. and he kind of is in tears and he kind of realises that he's, he's he's after this this perfect Christmas, but he, he realises that his own childhood wasn't perfect and it actually his parents kind of left him alone while they went out Christmas shopping. And he even has a little heartfelt moment with his dad later on, which I thought was quite nice, where he, he sort of says, how did you do it, Dad? You know, our Christmases were such a mess. And he said, I had a little friend called Jack Daniels. I thought that was yeah. a nice little line. So yeah, uh, they're both nice little scenes. The, the, the scenes where, where he, he gets locked in the in the attic, um, Clark, and he, he finds the old kind of cine reels that he, that he projects. Yeah, that was a, a really nice little scene. I think that was those are probably the bits that are more directly related to um, John Hughes's original National Lampoon story, which was called mm. Xmas 59 or Christmas 59. And if you look at the film reel that he puts in first, it's labelled with um, Christmas 59. Yeah, because yeah, I think people people might not realise, but National Lampoons originally was a magazine, wasn't it? I think in America, it was well, it's well known as a magazine and possibly Canada, I don't know. But the, in, in the UK, when we've got things like National Lampoon's Animal House, um, I think lots of cinema goers were, were probably thinking, what, what's National Lampoon? Because it, it wasn't a magazine that was available mm. here. No, um, no. The only thing close we have over here is, is maybe kind of like Viz or something. But that, that's kind of very or Private Eye or something. Yeah, Private um, Eye is probably the closest, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to think. The closest thing we have to that, you know, something coming out or something is like the comic. What's the comic presents? What were they called? With like Rick Mayo and Ed Edmondson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 I used to like that. Yeah. yeah. So Comic Strip Presents was like, Maver- you know, if you American listen to this, it was like a maverick English comedians at the time who all got together and produced and wrote their own films. And um, yeah, some of them are pretty decent. They've actually held mm. it. And, that, and that's what like, a bit like National Lampoons has done. Like, it was all those, if you think about like John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd and all those guys and, you know, all you burst out of this scene. It's a similar thing. Um, obviously, one's a bit more world famous, I suppose, Well, you know. Not supposed about it. It's, it's far more world famous than comic strip. But and this was the last of the original produced by the original team, wasn't it? In eighty nine, I think the the brand was kind of bought out by National Lampoon brand was bought out by other companies, uh, mm. and then you had really unrelated films like you've got National Lampoon's Van Wilder, which is this like gross out sort of teen yeah. comedy with with uh, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's the rise of Targe, isn't there? Which is the, the Van Wilder Van too. Wilder too. Yeah, Van Wilder, yeah. There's a bit in it where Clark is in the a department store and he's shopping for lingerie for Ellen. Mm. And there's a rather attractive model in there who's helping him pick out his uh, his lingerie. Yes. And Cal, do you want to do you want to lead with the uh, the, the yeah. model? Okay, so uh, her name is. Um, I, I found out. I didn't know what it was earlier, but it's um, it's, <laughs> it's Nicola Scorsese. So she got quite a quite a famous name. I don't think she's related. She's not related. In the scene that Lee just mentioned, there, Clark's in there looking for a um, you know some some lingerie for for some reason. I can't remember for what uh, for Ellen. Yes, she she said that she's wearing the the very 
lingerie that he's uh, he's looking at. So she kind of gives him a very very quick um, uh, display of, um, of 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 what the underwear looks like. At which point his uh, his son Rusty comes up to him and says, "Kind of dad, dad, what are you doing?" The whole scene's the whole scene's quite good actually. I mean, I know it's a bit lewd and it's the idea was supposed to be that really, but. There's a great bit where Clark keeps on stumbling over his words, doesn't he? But I'm just blousing. I'm getting a bit nipply out there. and It's just like and, a, a mess of double entendres, isn't it, the whole way Yeah, through. and there's a point where he grabs some knickers to like um, mop his brow and then he tucks the knickers in his pocket. <laughs> and then he... This is something he probably would have done on, on um, you know, Saturday Night Live. What they suggest, a bit like in the first film, is that even though this is going on, they suggest that the women do find him adorable. Because if, if you remember in National Lampoon's Vacation, he keeps on seeing a... A really beautiful woman in a Ferrari, and yeah, there's a point where he gets Christine. Was it Christine Brinkley who did she yeah. go and marry Billy Joel or something like that? Yeah, Billy Joel. And then and then he gets he gets in the pool with her naked, doesn't he, in that film? And then he he really he like he chickens out. And in this film, she's also really charmed by him. And it's only when Rusty rocks up uh, <laughs> that like <laughs> yes, because he even tells the woman behind the counter that his wife is dead, isn't it? He's shopping for underwear for his dead wife. <laughs> and then Rust, Rusty rocks up and he has to pretend that, you know, he just goes with it. Can't see the line, can you, Rusty? No. Zoink. <laughs> and then he has a daydream. He has a, he has a daydream later on in the film where he's, he's going to buy this pool with the uh, with his uh, Christmas bonus and he's dreaming at night looking out of the window. And then there's all, it's quite a funny scene that because you see like Randy Quaid like really hamming it up like we're wearing a vest and uh, <laughs> on a diving board, and then of course you see her the, the laundry woman uh, getting in the pool, and there's a slow reveal, and just as it's about to reveal, it's, as a kid you would have been gutted, just as it's about <laughs> to it's about to reveal a snivelly little kid, one of Eddie's children uh, goes Uncle Clark, like, are you Santa Claus? <laughs> It was so reminded me of that scene. I don't know if anyone, hopefully people listening have seen The Man With Two Brains. And there's a mm. scene where uh, Steve Martin, Dr. Huffer, uh, is basically, he's um, he's so frustrated by his wife. Um, and he's like, he keeps, and, he's, and she teases him. She always sucks his finger. And there's a scene where he's looking at the window and he actually hear the glass smash by his erection. <laughs> 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 and the scene, the scene just reminded me of that. That seems so similar, but um, yeah. And of course, all all this all this stuff makes very little sense because um, Clark's wife, you know, who's always kind of apologising for him or sticking up for him or yeah. um, kind of suffering him. I mean, Beverly D'Angelo in his. I was talking to you guys before. She's she's like super hot. I mean, there's yeah. she's wearing uh, this mm. blouse later on, which kind of shows her cleavage and. Goodness me, she's um, she's a she's a very attractive woman. There's no question about that. I do wonder why he's. Um, I mean, the, the, you know, Nicolette Scorsese is um, is very attractive too. But isn't that the message? Isn't that the message that you know? Maybe that's the message which he has all the time. That even though you can be the family man and have everything in place that you know may, many people dream of, you always. I mean, Clark's aspirational, isn't it? He? He's got this beautiful house and a great family. And he's got, you know, what most people would kill for. And he's always daydreaming, isn't he? He, he wants to spend his Christmas bonus on a swimming pool because yes. it's like that that extra level. He's always daydreaming about another woman. He's not going to do anything, but he daydreams. And that's... Uh, so yeah, a... 
you get the feeling that he, di- he didn't play the field really as a young man, do you? He kind of met Ellen early and, and yeah, he kind of he has that element of his personality where he's always kind of like lusting after the Ferrari girl and, and feels like he could have maybe, you know, caught a bigger fish maybe. But like you say, you know, Ellen's pretty pretty hot. Yeah, in European Vacation, I think um, one of the gags in it is that um, he accidentally on the video camera films him and Ellen having sex and then the video the video gets released and ends up as a porno in Italy. Yeah, I, I think, <laughs> think it's her in the shower, actually. Although I don't think in yeah. the when you you know she, I don't think you see anything of her. But in the first one, there's another shower scene which she kind of has to um, has to endure. And I, I think she does kind of show um, uh, show herself off in that film in the first one. So if if you're a Beverly D'Angelo fan, the first one's a one to watch. I was going to say. Um, Beverly D'Angelo actually ended up. Um, I think she's now married to Al Pacino and has been for a, for a number of years. So, um, oh, is she? Wow. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, fair fair play to those two. There's great chemistry between that. I mean, that's probably why the film's kept to be made because there's great chemistry between Chevy Chase and Beverly D'Angelo. There's like she calls him Sparky in the films and rubs his his cleft in his chin and yeah. Uh, there's, there's, a, there's a really funny bit later on where where, where the um, the police kind of invade the house, or they they, they kind of um, they oh, they, they, grabs, they leave yeah. it's kind of as a kind of defensive gesture. She kind of grabs his crotch. I don't know if you noticed this at all. <laughs> yeah, I read some trivia about that, and that that scene was completely ad libbed. She right. did it, and because it worked, they kept it. Of course, you know it, it was they were trying to make a family film. Yes. Um, obviously, there's an f bomb in the film as well, which we'll mention in a bit. But uh, when Clark's having a rant, but. They were trying to make it a family film, and, and you have to go back to the eighties, late eighties, that you could get away with a lot more in a family film. That's you right. think about, uh, especially you think about this would have been a PG thirteen in in America, and um, oh, yeah. there's an f bomb. There's probably uh, a tiny bit of nudity, which would have kind of warranted that. Um, but in in the in the UK, this was this film had to be cut slightly be, uh, because they wanted a PG certificate. Mm. Um, so I think they, they lost the F-bomb. And also, because Warner UK, I've, I've got a bone to pick with Warner Brothers in the UK because I remember seeing an advert for this in the paper. Um, they, they released it in January of 1990 in the UK. And I remember seeing an advert for a film called National Lampoon's Winter Holiday. And I looked at it and I thought, I have no interest in going and watching that, so I'm not going to see that. It was only later on that, that I learned that this film was, because later in the year, this was released on VHS in the UK as National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. And it was only later in the year. Hang on, that's that's the film I saw advertised as Winter Holiday earlier in the year. And mm. the hell, if that was a, if that was a, if I'd have known that was a vacation film, because I was already familiar with them by 1989, I would have seen yeah. the pre- previous two. I was certainly going to see this at the cinema in the UK, but because they gave it that, they released in January and they gave it the kind of alternate title, they changed the cinema artwork. There's a picture of Chevy Chase, not in Santa outfit, just in kind of general clothes being electrocuted. I I didn't go to see it and I certainly would have done had I known it was a vacation film, but the the UK release didn't make that clear in in any kind of way. I mean, how bizarre anyway, because the fact is that the, the film opens up with Christmas Vacation is the title theme. 
I mean, it's a great Christmas song. I love it, yeah. Yeah, they open it with that, and they close the film with that. It doesn't go, this is winter holiday. It doesn't go (laughs) like that. (laughs) Because it keeps on saying Christmas vacation. It's such a good song. It's a dull title than winter holiday. You know, what about like, you know, Chris... Uh, winter, winter madness, or something yeah. like that. But winter holidays, just the, the unless they were being, they were being woke before the time, you know, because now it's kind of you can't really call things Christmas, can you? It's got to be, it's got to be winter. You know, it's a winter holiday. The only reason I they call it Christmas is because they, they released it at the first week of January, and they they thought, oh, okay, we'll oh, some extra cinema business. But we can't call it Christmas now because Christmas is has been and gone. So I don't winter holiday. I would definitely say John Hughes films are not woke. Uh, I'd also say that John Hughes. <laughs> films, I, I, I was thinking about this earlier because I do like John Hughes films, but he doesn't cast um, black characters, does he? He doesn't, you know, in, in this age of Black Lives Matters and everything. I, I honestly cannot think of uh, of any major roles. Actually, I have to say, you you mentioned this, you know, earlier, and I, I it's not something that's occurred to me before. And you're absolutely right. I mean, I'm trying to think of John Hughes films I've seen. He avoids it. He avoids it. He also avoids. Yeah. Um, he avoids. He, he doesn't mind Jewish characters, he, but he, he avoids certain things. He's he's he has innocent. Well, and there's no never innocent, is there? But he, in his early films, he has the slightly gentle racism. Um, like uh, he has a Chinese character, and every time this Chinese character appears in Sixteen Candles, they play they play like da 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 da, and whenever he appears and. There's none of that in this film, in this in Christmas Vacation, but um, there are, <laughs> but yeah, there are certain things about him. You know, as much as I like John Hughes, and it's like a cozy nostalgia to John Hughes, there's certain things he didn't, he avoided doing. So, Rock, if he is, is this a John Hughes thing, or is this a movies of the eighties and nineties thing? It could be both, couldn't it? And uh, therefore, you know, we're, maybe I'm only more self-aware now because, of course, it's such a you know, the whole, uh, we're a bit more, uh, you know, aware now with everything taking place with Black Lives Matter and everything. Maybe that's why I start noticing it in the 80s films. But mm-hmm. I also, I mean, one of the things I noticed in the 80s films as well, like I mentioned earlier, is the, um, is how much you could get away with. I, I made the mistake of, uh, like in this film, if I was sitting down with my, my boy who's only six, I was sitting down with him and there's that scene with the woman and the sexual scene in the department store. And then there's the F-bomb. Um, it'd, be, it'd be awkward. It's a, it's a bit like if you think about a film like a family film like Goonies. Um, I remember once making a mistake of putting that in front of children. And I think in the first few minutes, it's got some bullying, where they bully Chunk. <laughs> and then they, and then after the bullying, it, they use like piss and shit. And the, there's a bit where they snap a penis off a statue. I think this is all like in the first 15 minutes of the film. So, uh, That's right. Rob, you're right about that because I, I watched, um, I let my children watch um, Spaceballs recently. And Ooh. the UK version must have had one F-bomb cut out of it uh, yeah. for years. But I, I was not aware of this. And uh, we watched a version on, I don't know if it was Prime or, you know, some other streaming service. Um, and I, I let them watch it thinking, oh, it's a PG film. Anyway, later on in the film, Rick Moranis, who plays Dark Helmet, comes out with... Uh, <laughs> uh, what did he Something like, fuck, even in the future, nothing works. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, deliver much better than that. I think we don't we don't realize what a conservative country we live in, because for years porn it was banned, wasn't it? I mean, it's kind of still technically is, isn't it? In the UK, you're not really 
it's not really allowed in the UK, but it's, we do live in such con, uh, conservative land, don't we? I think there was even, was it David Cameron was trying to get a law passed where it would block all porn on UK internet or something, you know? Yeah, that's right. And what would the Tory MPs do during the day? Uh, it, exactly. It, They're uh, probably the biggest users of the dirty bastards. Wasn't the law that he he was the only person allowed to receive porn in the country and yeah. everyone else was blocked? <laughs> well, there's, there's a well-known story with him and a pig, but I won't get into that now. No, yeah. it was not. It was not PG. Mm. <laughs> Pigatio. <laughs> 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 I've gone political. This is a first. But, uh, oh dear! Actually, should we talk about? Should we talk? We've mentioned the. We've skirted around the f bomb a few times. Should we talk about that scene? Because I'll I'll come up with my geeky fact. I've read about it. There's a great scene where Clark realizes he's not going to get his Christmas bonus. He's just instead of the bonus, he's, he gets um, jelly of the month club. <laughs> jelly of the month club at voucher, and he's got all his family gathered around him, and he's been building it up how much he's going to get his bonus, and it doesn't work out for him. And he has this massive rant. Um, and if you watch the rant, it's actually it's only after I read this fact I, I watched the the rant differently because apparently Chevy couldn't remember his lines, so he had. All the cast, Beverly Angela said this in an interview, all the cast had to held up these boards with his lines on. And he didn't read them in order. So if you watch his run, it's quite a good run. And it's quite funny. And that's where the F word comes in and stuff. He basically just, like, his eyes are flicking left to right as he's reading these boards. And he's shouting different insults about his cheap boss. It's a great scene. Where do you think you're going? Nobody's leaving. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. No, no, we're all in this together. This is a full-blown, four-alarm holiday emergency here. We're going to press on, and we're going to have the hap-hap-happiest Christmas since Bing Crosby tap-danced with Danny fucking K. And when Santa squeezes his fat white ass down that chimney night, he's going to find the jolliest bunch of assholes this side of the nuthouse. <laughs> hey! If any of you are looking for any last-minute gift ideas for me, I have one. I like Frank Shirley, my boss, right here tonight. I want him brought from his happy holiday slumber over there on Melody Lane with all the other rich people. And I want him brought right here with a big ribbon on his head. And I want to look him straight in the eye and I want to tell him what a cheap, lying, no good, rotten, four flushing, low life, snake licking, dirt eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood sucking, dog kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless. Heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-lipped, worm-headed sack of monkey shit he is. Hallelujah. Holy shit. Where's the Tylenol? Clark is manic best, I think. that Him and Randy Quaid, you know, when when they go go off, is probably my favourite movie points of the movie really but yeah, yeah he re- to be honest that f-bomb surprised me because i think i've always kind of watched it on tv mm. and we always get lame censored version don't we so i, I don't think i've ever really watched it on on proper on dvd really so yeah I guess, uh, unless, unless you see the full version you don't know so for years we were thinking that chevy chase had said uh dancing to what is it dancing to uh danny danny dancing k they, they were talking <laughs> with uh, dancing and um He's not. He's not new to this, is he? I mean, John Hughes is not new to it. So anyone who's seen *Planes, Trains, and Automobiles* and uh, knows the the car rental scene where Steve Martin swears he says the f word about twenty times in a row, um, and it's a great it's a great scene. 
But the, the version that we had on British TV, it's really weird. Did it even? Did it? All they did for the F words is just silence them out. I think so if you look at YouTube, there's, there's a, a version that is um, that they use for American TV as well, which is the same scene but without the F words, and it just has none of the impact. It's really, it's really strange. Yeah, so it's, it's in John Hughes. Um, he likes to do this, and it, this is a family film. He knew he was making a family film, but maybe the rules were that loose. Maybe he thought, you know, I'll put the F word in, or maybe Chevy Chase put the F word in, and then they just, you know, thinking it would be caught anyway. But it wasn't yeah. caught. I'm surprised there was no, uh, there was no weed where somebody kind of smokes a joint and starts punching the air and getting really. <laughs> That's funny. I think there's a weed smoking scene in the first Vacation film. Where they they go to meet uh, Randy yeah. Quaid and the and the oh, uh, right. yeah yeah like you said um, the best moments with Chevy as an actor if anyone's seen like Fletch and things is when he does manic is like you know he reminds me in that sense like Gene Wilder when he goes manic they are the bits you you know you, you can't overdo those scenes because you'd expect it and you don't want to see someone hyper all the time uh, but we don't we um, it is a good it's a good scene actually the rant uh, it's funny. Um, and he makes the mistake to say at that point of uh, telling he, he, he shouts out to the heavens, "What I'd want for Christmas is my boss wrapped in a ribbon and brought to his house <laughs> in his PJs." And of course, he said this near cousin Eddie. So that's where we get to the end. The end sequence. It's what you get. So it's Eddie goes out in his uh, mobile home and goes and gets his boss and brings him home in a big ribbon. And it reminds me the the, the scene, the end scene is so similar to. Um, the first vacation film was it? Mm. If you, anyone remembers that where they go to Wally World and the police all turn up, and it's the same on this one. The police all swing into the house, surround Clark and his family. His boss has a very sudden Scrooge moment. He doesn't need to be visited by the ghost of Christmas past, does he? He just needs one impassioned speech by Clark, really, about being dicked over on his bonus, and he's completely changed of heart. <laughs> it's- it is the 80s ideal, isn't it, of these grumpy, seemingly grumpy bosses who you just have to chip away at and underneath they're, they're really nice and soft. It's like, you know, like the big boss who want, you know, seemingly on the outside and then he starts playing piano with Tom Hanks and he's lovely. And it's, <laughs> it's the same in this film. It's like, in, and the same in the first the first film and the first vacation film there. You know, um, actually his wife tells him off, doesn't it? Because he, mm. um, he kept it from his wife that he was actually not doing the bonuses. And then she's actually calls him cheap. And then he suddenly says, instead of you're going to get your bonuses back and you're going to get 20% on top. It's like he's the, he's the kindest, sweetest boss in the world, isn't it? Uh, and Clark's going to get his swimming pool, which is apparently the uh, the dream, isn't it? And I suppose it is quite quite poignant these days, isn't it? Because that, that kind of total point of capitalism has been lost, hasn't it? That there's a human element to the people that work for these large corporate companies. And uh, that's kind of been been lost now it is all about cutting the bottom line isn't it and and yeah, yeah. this is a bit of, bit of a throwback that his boss even considers consider that an option it's also the idea of bonus culture isn't it i mean a lot of companies don't do bonuses now so it's like it's kind of that like, is that very nostalgic thing that your bonus was almost like doubling up your salary um it's uh but it, you know i know we've been we've mentioned some of the <laughs> shortcomings of the film but going on at the strengths of the film the strengths of the film are that um you know, if you like Chevy Chase, you're going to love this film. And if you've got, if you saw this film when you were a kid, you're going to, you, it's hard not to like it. I mean, I still enjoy it. I still put the film on occasionally. And if it was on, definitely on in the background, I'd 
sit and watch it again and again. You know, it's, uh... I was going to say we have one last crazy scene, don't we? Which is possibly mm. the most bizarre scene of the movie and the, it was set up it was telegraphed very early on wasn't it with the I, i'm filling up the shitter i'm emptying out the shitter wasn't it oh, earlier yeah, on yeah. and uh, and clout's like oh that's going to cause an explosion later on in the movie because yeah the, <laughs> the gas shouldn't, you know that gas shouldn't be put straight into the sewer like that that's going to mm-hmm. cause an explosion at some point in the movie and indeed we get one, don't we, from Lewis's uh, his uh, his uncle Lewis Stogie. That errant Stogie gets into trouble again, and we get a complete uh, nuclear explosion outside the Griswold house. And it makes the um, Clark's over the top uh, reindeer and Santa display outside take off, and it flies across the moon like uh, almost like something out of ET, doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it gives Quasnelli's children the chance to see kind of reindeer flying through the sky because they they were told earlier in the film that Santa Claus wasn't going oh, was yeah. to come. Yeah. There they have it. They've, they've got their kind of presence, presumably, because um, they had the supermarket scene earlier on. And they and now they get to see the um, the reindeer flying through the sky as well. Yeah, and then the music kicks in again there, which is like, I was, I was thinking about the soundtrack because like it wasn't released as a soundtrack and the soundtrack is actually pretty decent. It's got the usual Christmas fair in the middle. That great theme, which was written for the, the film, uh, but it, they only use it twice. They use it right at the beginning, where there's like a cartoon animation as well, which is really good. Uh, I can always, great animated this film, yes. It's really funny, the cartoon at the beginning. And it reminds me a lot of the Pink Panther cartoons, the style of it. And then, uh, and then, and then, is there a cartoon? At, I don't think there is a cartoon at the end. Is no, there? no, it's, it's just, just yeah. the music just kicks in again, doesn't it? And that's that's your law. Ends uh, with uh, Clark saying, "I did it," and and then it just yeah. cuts to the, the end. Yeah, I was yeah. expecting. I, I don't know. I, I obviously don't remember there being a cut scene, but I, it felt like it needed a cut scene at the end there with something, you know, yeah. some. I'd like. To- I think the family. Should- together why, why you know the, the ending kind of makes it seem like it's all about clark yeah. and his kind of obsessive pursuit of the perfect christmas but really it should have been i think yeah. the, the family should have got together yeah he was and, stood on his own you know, wasn't he i thought that was a bit weird wasn't it it was just kind of a moment of self gratification yeah when he could have been stood to wonder how much influence chevy chase wielded during the production of this because a, a lot of it seems to be kind of um based around his character as opposed to the... There uh, is a troubled past, isn't it, with, with the film? I mean, originally Chris Columbus was supposed to direct it and he walked off set, even though Chris Columbus at the time was on his uppers. He was uh, he was quite poor and he was struggling and he basically needed this film to pull him, him and he, you know, pull himself out of this. And he couldn't stop... His story, yeah. Jerry Chase was such... Um, such an a-hole. Treated him so, so badly. He literally said, like, he treated treat him like dirt. I've... I don't want to work with this with yeah. this person, and, and it works. Um, it works out, of course, because John Hughes uh, gives him Home Alone, uh, like a, a year or so later. So it kind of, <laughs> that's right. so, uh, you know, it that led to Home, yeah. and I think he ended up directing Harry Potter films yeah. as well. It works out quite well for Chris Columbus, um, not having directed this one. Mm-hmm. The director of this was Jeremiah Jeremiah Chechik. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know, he he did some other films later on, but. Um, I think his most notable film was the um, the film of the Avengers from 1998, which was a, like a colossal oh, a yeah. box yeah. flop. But that was uh, another film that he uh, that he directed. Um, so I, I think I think Chris Columbus, generally speaking, probably got the better the better deal of the two of them. He did, although yeah. we, have to, we have to say that this film has become 
a modern classic in a way. It's mm. like if you look, if you type in, or go away if you listen to this and just type in um, great Christmas films on the internet. And it will be there. Yeah. It will be yeah. in the top. It's, in, it's at least in the top 20s of almost every single list alongside, you know, Holiday and, uh, you know, like uh, The Bishop's Wife and, uh, um, you know, um, It's a Wonderful Life is usually number one. But um, it's it's definitely up there. And rightly so. I mean, it will trigger 80s Christmas memories for anybody who watches this. You know, I mean, I, I, said, I said myself, I mean, if, if I was picking like a 12 Days of Christmas movie run, I, w- I would have this in the 12. It's not top tier, it's not top 10, but it's maybe just outside, you know, top 12. But we'll get into that in a bit. Carl, you're a resident numbers man. I mean, regular ris- listeners will know you, you yeah. tend to run through the numbers. Have, have you got the numbers to hand on this one? And, you know, you can't argue with these numbers because the budget for this was $25 million and the box office worldwide was $73 million. So... Not not a huge profit, but you know they're, they're making millions on this third installment of the Vacation franchise, which actually made more money than uh, the second installment, quite a bit more. I think the second one only made about fifty million. Yeah. So again, this would have this third one would have made the Warner Brothers think, okay, well we need to make a fourth. Mm. So certainly it, it was received well. Lots of people went to go and see it. I expect because it was in the VHS era that when it came out the following Christmas for VHS. Especially with in the UK, when when I saw it the first time, um, people would have said, "Oh, actually, it's not winter holiday; it's Christmas vacation." Right? Well, let's rent this f- title out. We'll we'll watch it. It would have made a lot of more, a lot more money there too. So yes, it's um, it's certainly a box office success, if not a if not a kind of the smash of the year, but it it certainly made a profit and a good healthy one as well. So what's it gonna be, boys? Does this one rot in the morgue or make it on the helicopter to freedom? I've got a, I mean, I've got, a, I've got a clue of where we're going to go with it, but um, I could not put this in the morgue. I could not put Clark and he's a thousand lights on his house in the morgue because it is nostalgic, but it's not just nostalgic. It's also, it's just, it's got some real charm to it still. And it really does hit the nail on the head of the family man trying to do the right thing, but it not quite working out. And it's, so it has got a bigger message than just, you know, the gags. Uh, yes, the other characters would have, it would have been nice, like for Randy Quaid to give, being given a bit more screen time. And for, because he, he's great when he comes into it. And for maybe, you know, the film to be a vacation and they actually go on a Christmas vacation would have been good. <laughs> but uh, but apart from that, yeah, it's, 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 you know, it's, I don't use this word often. It's a lovely film, actually. It's just, it's just nice. It's not going to have you cracking up and rolling around the floor so you can't speak, but you're definitely going to smile. You're going to um, guff. You maybe not guffaw, but you're going to smile and you're going to grin. And, and at the end of the film, you don't feel that dissatisfied. You know, I've seen a lot of Christmas drops. I love Christmas, and I do uh, watch a lot of um, you know those those uh, terrible like um, TV movies at Christmas where him and her get together. So I would say this film definitely escapes the mark. Chevy gets on the, the helicopter, decorates it in a thousand Christmas lights. Of course, he brings the lovely Beverly with him, and uh, they live happily ever after. <laughs> so, so it's definitely not not going in the mark for my my liking. Sure, I mean for me, this film is not it's not top it's not top tier Christmas film. Having said that, this film I, I've seen many times, and it's a, it was a favourite in our house. We we all, we often used to watch it. If it was on TV, we'd watch it. And um, I love the Randy Quaid character. 
he's he's so crude and um his line when he kind of he's he's there in his underpants <laughs> outside the house he was saying the shit is full and just you know completely oblivious to you know everything else it's, it's just so so funny and um just i i really relate to that <laughs> that's, that's just such a brilliant scene it makes me laugh so much i think randy quaid kind of steals the show a little bit and yeah there's there's not big there's there aren't big laughs there's there's kind of a, there are a few laughs here and there and it's uh i i don't think it really kind of communicates the message of christmas very well and it's a bit episodic in nature but i think overall i'm i'm a fan of the 80s i I think Chevy Chase is a funny guy, despite what you hear about him on on various film sets. He's there's no question that in the right film he's funny, he's a talented person, and um, you know he's he's funny in this. He's talented, and um, it's a good film. And just just for the nostalgia value alone, and the the kind of the you know the quality of the the animated credits and the, the title song by Mar- uh, Barry Mann and Cynthia Vile, which they use a couple of times in the film. There's no, there's no way it has problems, but it's, it's, there's no way I can send this to the morgue. It's, I would, pr- I would estimate I probably watch this once every year easily yeah. for me. I, I can't send it to the morgue. It's not the best Christmas film, but it, it, it has certain qualities and it's, it's a, it's a perennial for me. So that I can't send it to the morgue. No chance. I've, I don't know if I send it on a helicopter to freedom, um, but it, it just has to kind of exist. It has to be there around in its uh, fully uncut, twelve-rated version with the with the f bomb. Mm. No way. It needs to. It needs to stay out of the morgue and exist. <laughs> I don't think the zombies would want to go near Clark's house anyway. It'd be too bright for them. It would dazzle them. They, they wouldn't want to go. There's too many explosions and things like that. They, they wouldn't the like Explosions that. would probably attract the zombies initially, but they'd probably leave in a ball of flames, wouldn't they? Yeah, I, I think they'd be safe. And the, and the zombies that you're talking about, they, they do differ from film to film. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's very true. So, Lee, are you slamming it in the mark, Lee? <laughs> well, it's not, not the deciding vote, but... Well, for me, yeah, it does have a special place. I was the one who suggested it after all. I think it is it is one that's on the regular rotation in our house every Christmas. I think I like it because you can relate to it. I think everybody's had a Christmas gaffe. Obviously, as a child, you relate to Rusty being embarrassed by his embarrassing dad. But as you get older, you get something else from the film. You kind of relate to Clark's character a little bit, the... Uh, Christmas is extreme. Putting on Christmas is extremely stressful if you've never done it, and definitely uh, at some point, if you do it enough, you're gonna hit a hit a problem or two, which I think we all have got. And I think there is quite. I know, Cal, you said there isn't a, a nice Christmas message there, and I know at the end he stood on his own, which I disagreed with. Uh, but I think there is a kind of nice message in a way, and it's extremely poignant at this time of year and. Um, and particularly what's gone on this year is many people are not going to see their loved ones this year. A lot of people are, are making the smart decision of, of not seeing not seeing the loved ones, to, obviously, because of COVID. And obviously, it's important. The, the greatest thing of Christmas is, is seeing your family, spending time with your loved ones. And I think that message is there in bits during the movie, although Chevy Chase's ego gets in the way a little bit. But... Um, there, there is there is plenty of comedy all the way through. 
Randy Quaid, his box office. If you haven't seen his Trump video where he <laughs> with the crazy lights, he's like Fox News. They 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 killed the gold goose. <laughs> if you're not seeing that, check it out. It's Please box office. It. Yeah, it's amazing. And there's a lot. There's this stuff that you just don't get in modern movies that that I always have time for. You you don't get. The kind of moment where he looks to his son and he's, uh, yeah, you don't see the you don't see the lion, Randy, do you? <laughs> you, know, yeah, so you, you yeah. don't get like modern movies now. So, uh, nostalgia by the bucket load. It's not the greatest movie of all time. It's not a top tier. It's not even the best John Hughes's Christmas movie, is it? It's, it's, no, it's, it's not the best vacation movie. It's not either. the best vacation movie. I mean, some would say it's the second best, maybe the third best. Who knows? But. On a twelve days of Christmas, it's been in, it's been in my rotation of, of, of probably the top twelve Christmas movies of all time, and it's going to to cut a long story short, it's going to be flying on the sleigh to freedom. It's going to be exploded across the moon, you know, with Santa <laughs> and his reindeer and everybody hanging onto the back of it. It's uh, it's it's exploding across the sky to freedom, and there's no zombies in sight. Zombies shut down for Christmas. So, yeah, all good. We've got three freedom votes for, for this movie. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's another one which escapes the morgue, so it doesn't have to rot behind in the, the land of pay dirt. <laughs> so, yeah. so um, yeah, I mean, uh, I just want to um, also say, like, uh, you know, we've not said it to everyone, but thank you for everyone who is listening. So it's a uh, Merry Christmas to everyone from all of us. Uh, this one's about... Yes, Jesus, greetings to all. Uh, and whichever kind of background you're from or wh- however you're celebrating this time of year, make sure yeah. that you're having a good time and, and being respectful to everybody and um, keeping safe. Yeah, definitely. Look after yeah. each other. Have a few beers, try and relax, and uh, it'll be better next year. So <laughs> keep safe. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Um, See you all. Bye. Bye-bye. Merry Christmas.